0: to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you very much, Big Voice in the Sky. Yes, this is uh,
1: this is time. I mean, this is uh, a bringing it home. These locks we're going to take us all the way through the college football playoffs. Uh, we might come up with a friendly wager for the uh, college football playoff national championship game between us. Certainly, we will find a way to preview that game in many ways here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Uh, but Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, we've had some some dramatic shakeups in the standings.
0: What
2: what happened?
1: Our regular season champion is in free fall.
0: I am battered battered. <laughs> even bloody just crawling through shards of glass on this bowl run here. I know I it, this is a mess right now for me.
1: Losing four units on Boston College as we sit here to record on Thursday morning and losing five units on Missouri uh drags Barton down to negative 12 units.
0: <laughs> we're going <laughs> to oh, find bad. We're going to find out who the real supporters and and believers are here pretty soon because I'm about to go on a historic run and you know some people who jumped off the train they're not going to be able to make that money when I do oh it's it coming today.
1: the train you get ready it's coming get on it and you can get on later where's my Herm Edwards sound that's
0: right that's right
1: um, okay, so uh, Tom currently is our le- a big day yesterday. Florida State, Iowa, and the Texas-Missouri under uh, you m- lost just one unit on having to choose between your 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 son, children your children. <laughs> uh, that puts you at fourteen units up. Um, and Chip, I got a t- the Bowl Locks two volume two was that was good to me it was a plus 10 unit uh charge back into the competition but i did lose five on boston college but got four from texas two from purdue and three from florida state so tom is the leader at 14 units up chip is at 10 units up and barton throwing i I hope you just got five star haymakers because uh Right now he is bringing up the rear at twelve units below even. So I guess we're gonna have a lot of five point picks today. I, I've got some. I've got. I've got one one star, but that's all. That's because I'm also caring about the listener. You know,
0: listen. Th- that's what it's all about to me as well. You know, I'm happy for you guys. You're doing well, but I'm not gonna start throwing haymakers today. I mean, I got some five star units, but I, this is more about look. If you're still if you're still hanging on, I'm going to give you my best effort and I'm going to give you my true confidence and we're going to make some money here in this last few days of the bowl season.
1: Mm. <laughs> uh yes. That's this is what it's about. <laughs> if 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 you're if if your account is still hanging on on December 28th and like you no one has either forced you to uh, like if
0: you're still alive,
1: man, props to you.
0: Hey, listen, I've lost a thousand bucks here or there only to to just like quadruple that in, in, in a couple days. So this is you know, this this happens from time to time. Gotta pay to play. Right. Yeah, oh no doubt. Twenty units up on the year going into bowl season, had a, had a tough couple weeks. You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, had listen. A tough weeks. <laughs> hey. All right, uh Tom. You are the leader. We're going to start with the Cotton Bowl Classic. So lock me up.
0: We're picking locks. My blue plate special. Five star locks are coming.
2: Come get these locks. Five
0: star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover.
2: Ah, uh, my first lock. I will start with USC. Plus seven and a half, but it's only a one point lock because I am not a hundred percent convinced on anything that's going to happen in this game. I think it's going to be a very good game, and I love the matchup. That it's basically just your Rose Bowl, but in Texas. And I, I my initial reaction, honestly, was when this line came out and Ohio State was a seven and a half point favorite. Kind of did that like confused dog head tilt thing, right? Because that just feels like that number feels way too big for these two teams. But then the closer I looked at it, the more I, you know, I looked at advanced stats and I saw that, okay, so Ohio State probably is considerably better than USC in quite a few areas, mostly on defense. But I still don't think that that 7.5 is the right size of a spread between them. I still think USC is much better than that. I mean... If if in Ohio State in a conference game, if would they be a seven and a half point favorite over Penn State or Wisconsin? So, and I, I see USC as being a team that's on that level, and then also, you know, it's at a neutral site, it's a huge bowl game, and this is a USC team that has Sam Darnold, it has Ronald Jones, and while its defense may not be as strong overall as Ohio State's. It does well against the pass. It has a little bit of trouble with the run, but it's not like it's porous and it gets ripped apart on a weekly basis. So I think that this is going to be a lower scoring affair, and I think that because of that, I would rather have the Trojans in the points, especially with that hook. If it were a six-and-a-half-point spread, I'd probably be on Ohio State's side. But at the seven-and-a-half points, I have to take the Trojans. My I looked at this, and I thought that um, what I, I thought Ohio
1: State's the better team and I'm I'm uh I I still do not trust this USC team and I look at, you know, if Sam Darnold does start to uh like I gotta think that Denzel Ward and the like the back seven, the linebackers and the defensive backs of Ohio State, which like, yeah, they get after it when it comes to trying to bait opposing quarterbacks into making mistakes and then capitalizing on them. And I I agree with you, Tom. I love this matchup. I think this game is going to be a ton of fun. But I, I think that when it came down to having to make my pick, and I'm I'm throwing three units on it, it's a little bit of a reckless three units as a little as a caution to the listener, but I'm also trying to chase Tom down in these standings. So I'm glad we're on the opposite sides. I'm throwing three units on Ohio State, minus seven and a half. It i I think Ohio State is the better team. I think Ohio State wins the game. The hook absolutely terrifies me, but it's uh it's a gut play here. So I'm I'm gonna ride with the Buckeyes.
0: I think Ohio State is probably the the sharp play. Um, I, I I'm with Tom. I looked at it and I was like, well, what the heck's going on? And then you know, as you think about it a little more, you start to realize, well, shoot, maybe maybe this is um, a spot where Ohio State is going to run it up on USC a little bit. But I'm going with USC as well. And and to me, it's about. Look, I think I, I do think Sam Darnold in big games is is really good. I do think that in big moments he's really good. I do think that this USC team has been just surviving the year, no bye week, beaten up early, uh, war of attrition, and now they're they're a little healthier and they're getting they're they're you know they've had some time to to rest, recover, recoup, regenerate. So I'm going to go with USC, um, and I do like it with the seven and a half. I would be a little more scared at seven or six and a half, but I'm going to go USC plus the seven and a half. I'm going to go. I was five units like last night. I've sort of walked this back to three units. Uh, I'll split the difference. Let me go four units on Ooh. USC.
1: Some some late. You're you're at the window and you're like give me <laughs> 230 on, on USC
0: that's you tell me that's not the best uh, the best approach to have
1: all right let's uh let's let's dig into the the college football playoff semifinals uh, it'll be january 1st they will start out in pasadena in the rose bowl oklahoma going up against the sec champion georgia bulldogs hey the only team to beat every team on its schedule you know that's that's the Georgia Bulldogs for you. There you go. Um, all right, let's get into like game angles, uh, betting angles. Of course, with this being the Locks Podcast, Barton, you first when you're when you're breaking down this game and when you're trying to make a prediction. Uh, you know what what catches your eye first?
0: Well, the I mean Oklahoma's got the best player on the field, and when I started thinking about this game. I started thinking about. I mean, I, I initially at the beginning of the playoff pairings, my initial inclination was Oklahoma is my national championship pick, and and that was just like my gut reaction because they got the best player in in, in college football. As I as I began to to let let it sink in a little bit, um, marinate on the games a little bit, I I I kind of. Because here's what my thought process was, look, Baker Mayfield is, you know, we've, we've, if he's the best player in college football, the best player in college football last year was Deshaun Watson, and they were able to up in Alabama. In 2013, the best player in college football was Jameis Winston, and they, you know, were able to win a national championship. Uh, 2012, or whatever Cam Newton's year was, Cam Newton's best player in college football, they won a national title. So there's this... Element of the best player in the country if he's at the quarterback position and if he's that good And I think maker Mayfield is that good He can just put a team on his shoulders and go win a national title but As we've gotten closer to the game and I've thought about it a little bit more You know the other Thing that that is is relevant about some of those other guys is Sean Watson at the fifth best defense in the country playing alongside him um, in yards per play Last year, Jameis Winston, the second best in the country, um, you know, and, and I know I'm talking national titles, but this is I think both of these games are national title level in terms of the semifinals. Um, Oklahoma has the 69th best defense in the country in yards per play. Nice. I, I think that this Georgia team is going to bring a level of physicality really on both sides of the ball. But I mean, it's particularly on defense. That Oklahoma's not used to seeing. I think they're going to be able to control this game a little bit more. And I think they're going to be able to dictate the style. Dictate the tempo better than Oklahoma is used to seeing. It scares me to play it. Because I just know how good Baker Mayfield is. But I'm just going to... I trust in... You know... Look, the it's cliche, but defenses do win championships. And I trust in the team that's built better... For a championship run, and that's that's Georgia to me. So I'm I'm going with Georgia minus the two and a half.
1: Ooh. Do you want it at one and a half? Are we oh, taking no, it two and a half? half? Oh, Tom, where do you see it?
2: Uh, last time I checked, it was two and a half, but it might be one and a half. Oh nine.
1: no, I'll take one. I'll take two and a half. I'll take two two and a half. It's all right. Let's do
2: I'll, it. i a a I can find out really quickly here. Just make small talk.
0: I've seen it at I've seen it at one and a half, two and two and a half.
2: It is at two and a half.
1: All right, and how many units?
0: Uh, five. I'm gonna go with four units. Five units. Yes, five units.
1: Um, when what kind of score do you like? So when when you're taking Georgia minus two and a half, it's like that. Uh, I hear that, and uh, I hear the way that you dictate the game, and it's almost like as we've seen several times uh, in throughout the the BCS national championship era in particular, like a lot of times, you know, some of these wide open, incredible offenses get into these huge games, and whether they win or lose, the game ends up being like 27-20 or something like that.
0: That's exactly the score that I always had in my in my mind's eye. Twenty-seven to twenty. Um and Baker Mayfield can can get some yards, but Georgia sort of bows up. You know, when it counts, um, yeah, I, I I like that sort of a, that sort of a game
1: all right, Tom. what's your uh, what's your Georgia Oklahoma
2: lock? Well, if the final score is twenty seven to twenty, I'll be thrilled because my lock is the under sixty <clears throat> five points. Mm-hmm. I just think that that number is too high, and it I think it overestimates what Oklahoma's offense is going to be able to do against Georgia's defense. And I think it underestimates what Oklahoma's defense will be able to do against the Georgia offense. Oklahoma's defense is not great by any regular stat or even advanced metrics. It's pretty average to below average in a lot of areas. But I don't see this as a game where if Georgia is in control and winning, I don't see them scoring 40, 50 points. In fact, there's only been one game all season long in which Georgia played in which the total finished higher than 60 points. And that was against Missouri when it won, like, what, 52 to 35 or whatever that final score was. Right. But that was against Missouri team whose defense was just trash all year long for the most part. So... I look at that, I see Georgia, if it wins, it's going to be lower scoring. It's going to be trying to control the clock and keep Baker Mayfield off the field as much as possible. Doesn't that make the most sense? If you want to beat Oklahoma, take away its greatest strength, put them on the sideline, put together long clock control drives, which you can do when you have Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb. Then even if Oklahoma wins... I don't think Georgia can keep up. I feel like if Oklahoma is going to win this game, it's going to score at least 40 points and Georgia doesn't strike me as the type of offense that could keep up with that. So I would see that as being like a 42 to 24 kind of finish, which would come up. Actually, that would be over, but I just think <laughs> <laughs> there was good math in my head right there. But I just think that no matter which way it goes, Oklahoma is not going to score nearly as many points as it had, did during the regular season against Georgia nor is it going to give up nearly as many points as it did during the regular season against Georgia because Georgia's just a very different kind of offense than what it typically faces, and it's not looking to score 40-something points against you. It's looking to keep you off the field as much as possible. So I think the under is a very safe play here.
1: What's your uh, angle on the game itself?
2: I have Oklahoma winning. Yeah. I I just rely on that best player on the field. I mean, I Georgia's really good, but Baker Mayfield's, has been in this kind of situation too many times and he has shown every single time that you know he 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 plays well in these games this is when the when the stage is the biggest is when he's at his best and this is the biggest stage he's played in in a few years since the loss to clemson in the orange bowl in the playoff a few years ago but this is i think baker mayfield's a much different player now i think he was exciting back then but he wasn't the efficient and just all around stud that he is now at quarterback, the kind of guy that makes the plays that he makes on a routine basis with his arm, with his legs, with everything. So I think George is a very good team and I'm not sitting there saying that it's a for sure thing that Oklahoma is going to win. I just think Oklahoma is going to win because I think they have the best player on the field and he's going to have a great game.
1: One of the um, shout out to Michael Felder, Bleacher Report, for this wrinkle, which I think is one of the most fascinating uh, statistical angles to the college football playoffs for either team... Um Georgia has one of the best third down defenses in the country. They are one of the best teams in the country at showing up on the money down, making the plays, executing. And that's where, you know, you look at a player like Roquan Smith, the rest of those linebackers, and you know that, you know, they are the ones that know where the sticks are and are able to wrap up in space and make the plays. Oklahoma is one of the bottom teams in the country in third down attempted. They don't even get to third down. They don't even have to attempt third downs because they are moving the sticks every single time they snap the ball. I th- I kind of think that there is a very... F- like Roquan Smith could, by the way, just be the bowl game, the Rose Bowl MVP. To- I have like 15 tackles, Spy, Baker, all game, and, and just prove to be the-, the predatory cat in the open field that he's been all season. Like I- I'm very aware of the danger of that. But I think that Georgia's defense... Has been so good, uh, but it hasn't been really forced to cover from sideline to sideline like Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma are going to make them do. And some of those linebackers and some of those safeties, when it comes to matchups uh, against Mark Andrews, when it comes to to matchups against you know uh, C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown, uh, you know they're going they're going to be putting sermons down there in the slot. I think that it's a lot of. Uh, A lot of the slot routes, a lot of those sort of seven-yard slants. You know, you can do a lot to try and game plan away from make it from giving up the big play for sure. But uh, I just see one of these one of these games where, and I I got no real good read on the total. My my lock here is a four-unit play on Oklahoma plus two and a half. and, And the edge is just imagining that you know you go through you go through the entirety of Georgia's schedule and let's see Mississippi State and Missouri, I guess. Uh, are really the only ones that that have made those linebackers and defensive backs play out in space, and you know Mississippi State was was pretty, you know, they, they played horribly in that game, and Georgia dictated the game running the ball. But I I just think that that is is where the game is won. I could definitely see it being low scoring. I do think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be fun. I think Georgia plays ball control. I mean, they would love to get four yards per carry from Nick Chubb, Sonny, Michelle, and DeAndre Swift all game and just keep the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. But even if you do that and Mayfield does have the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter, I just I think that's how the, the winning touchdown drive goes down. It's it's he spreads everyone out and he looks for the one outside linebacker, the one safety that's just going to be a matchup problem for any of the plethora of skill position players that Oklahoma has flexed out in its offense. So I'm going four units, Oklahoma plus two and a half. I don't have a good over under read, but I generally seem to favor both of y'all's idea that this will be a game where it's a little bit more lower scoring. I just think that Oklahoma Uh, with that firepower, is able to come up big in the fourth quarter. Trust in Moxie. Moxie may – I mean, he's got to. This is – yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Barton, you've you've been on Oklahoma all season. I'm shocked that you're going against them now.
0: Well, look, I'm not seeing the ball very well right now, and I'm (laughs) I'm second-guessing my instincts a little bit, so (laughs) I'm probably wrong. I'm probably wrong. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Barton was on Oklahoma as the best team in the country as early as like September 18th. You kept them number one on your ballot too, right? For a long uh, they, time.
0: Oh yeah, they were. They've been my number one team throughout most of the year. Um, they still have the best game, the best win in the in the country on the road against Ohio State. Still the best player in the country. But this is playoff time. It's like you know when you get into the NBA, like playoff basketball or or um, you know March Madness playoff basketball is like you got you know the physical teams, you know that, that those are the ones that win. This is this playoff football. The physical teams are the ones that win, and so I'm 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 taking the more physical team.
1: All right, um, let's get let's head on over to uh, New Orleans, the Sugar Bowl, Alabama, Clemson, three. Is it? like where is y'all's we talked at the beginning of the year about how you know Alabama Clemson 3 and and there was a, a columns written you know everywhere every outlet uh we talked about it uh it was it was a running theme uh for at least until Clemson lost to Syracuse for sure i just i feel like as we inch closer to the actual game and we're you know what just like 4 days away from it I don't feel the the hype
2: peaking right now. Am I am I wrong? Are y'all am I misreading this? I think that's because we're still lost in the hype of last night's Foster Farms Bowl. Oh yeah,
1: with uh with with Jeff Brom being able to uh to flex on all of them with his trick plays,
2: yeah. with his seven points in the second half.
1: But this is like you know you would have you would have thought based on the way we were talking about Alabama Clemson three in September the The fact that we had that matchup right now in the sugar Bowl that it would just and uh, granted the the news cycle can ramp up quickly but i'm i'm a, i'm a little bit uh i'm a i'm a little bit curious as to see why you know how this game plays out given the fact that it is' it's kinda i don't know i i'd like to see it become a classic that you know we we go on to be like oh man of course like why didn't we see this coming but my gut is saying that it's not going to be a classic, uh yeah. my gut is saying that Clemson's just going to go and win this thing uh i've I've got Clemson winning this game. I've got it as a four unit play, so I've got them you know plus the points plus three. It's the way I'm going to punch it in uh, here on the card and uh and i I think that the you know Baker Mayfield is the best player, and I think that the Clemson defensive line is the best unit in this college football playoff. And Alabama has the most talented team, but I feel like I haven't, especially even going back to the LSU game, coming down the stretch, I just feel like the the Alabama performance on the field, even if they were never out of it really against Auburn, I just felt like I was frustrated with this Alabama team. And being frustrated with the team and... Not seeing the repetition of success and strong performance over and over again down the stretch makes it very hard for me to trust it. Granted, Nick Saban, you know he—that's a dangerous idea to think that Alabama could be pissed off and come into this game with a little bit of an edge. But I, I tend to think that this is this this game's going to be maybe just a little bit ho hum. And uh, let's say Clemson, you know, defensively dominated, lower scoring. Uh, and I think Clemson wins this game by like seven to 10 points, but maybe like leads and never trails popcorn. Who wants it?
2: I'll go. So Oklahoma has the best player in Baker Mayfield. Clemson has the best unit in its defensive line. The problem is Alabama has the best team mm. and it has been the best team all season long. And I don't think that losing to Auburn on the road in a rivalry game suddenly means Alabama is no longer the best team in the country. And when I look at the history of these two teams, you know, we mentioned this is the third one. As far as the hype is concerned, I think a big problem is that it's a semifinal and not the title game. But I think the other problem is one of the problems for Clemson in this game, and that's that Sean Watson's not on the team. Because if you watch these two teams play the last few years, as good as Clemson is, Deshaun Watson was the guy that was keeping them in these games and giving them a chance to win. And it was Deshaun Watson last year who made those plays on that final drive after Jalen Hurts went down the field to score to put Alabama in front. Here came Deshaun Watson again, leading that Clemson offense, putting the team on his back, getting that touchdown in the closing seconds to knock off Alabama. Deshaun Watson's not around. He was the X factor. He was the guy that balanced things out. And Kelly Bryant has done a great job of stepping in and taking over the offense and put putting together a good season. But Kelly Bryant's not Deshaun Watson. Kelly Bryant is not gonna have the same kind of success that Watson had against this Alabama defense. Yes, Clemson's defensive line is amazing. It's wonderful. But is the gap between it and Alabama's defensive line that significant? I think is so. You
1: really do? This year, I think that this Alabama defensive line is missing. Like it is it is like on paper, the blue chips are there. But I think the way that – I think the defensive line has been compared to the way that that Alabama defensive line has dominated in 2016, 2015, and 2014. I think it is a dramatic step back.
2: Metrics disagree. Mm. (laughs) But I I just think that there isn't an area on this game where you can look at Clemson's units and say it's significantly better than the Alabama unit it's matching up against. I think that Alabama is better than Clemson in a lot of the key areas. I think that Alabama this year is better than Clemson at quarterback, which is a huge area. I think Alabama is better than Clemson at running back. I think Alabama is better than Clemson on the offensive line. I think wide receivers are pretty much equal. I think defensive lines, Clemson has a slight edge. I think linebackers and secondary, Alabama has a slight edge. But you look across, Alabama's better than Clemson in more areas than Clemson is as Alabama. There's a reason Alabama is a three-point favorite in this game, even though it's the four seed compared to Clemson's one seed. So when I look at these two teams all season long, Alabama lost to Auburn on the road in a rivalry game. Clemson lost to Syracuse on the road in a in bad, rivalry bad, game. Loss.
1: Oh, sorry. I thought you said rivalry game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but my point is that Alabama is better than Clemson. Clemson is number one only because Alabama lost to Auburn. Had Alabama not lost to Auburn, would Clemson wouldn't be number one. It would be number two at best. It's there on its resume. It's a very good team. I'm not sitting there trying to just dis- disrespect it and say it's bad, but it's not as good as Alabama. Alabama. Alabama was the best team all year. A loss to Auburn doesn't change that they're going to win this game and they're going to cover the spread. Alabama minus 3 5 points. Woo!
0: Wow. Okay. All right. That's basically what I think too. Uh, this but, but like I've been really back and forth on this game. Like I've week by week I think it's a different winner. And I to I I still think it's basically a coin flip. Like, I still think this is – you could play this game 100 times and you're going to get, you know, 50 Alabama wins and 50 Clemson wins. Um, But I'm going with Alabama because I agree with Mr. Fornelli that they're the better team, if only slightly. I think Clemson's got the best unit, but I think Alabama has a better quarterback. I think that they've got some, you know, it's a push or slight advantages elsewhere. Um, And I think this like revenge factor is, is, is relevance. I mean, this is, this is what they've been building towards all off season, all year. You know, this is the, this is the game that's been playing on loop in the weight room or whatever. You know, this is, this is, that's a motivating factor here. And um, I think, Kelly Bryant while he's been really good this year I've been really impressed with the way Clemson creates creates opportunities for him to be successful creates easy throws for him creates um, you know just an offensive system that puts him in a position to be successful I think Alabama has the ability to take some of those spots away from him so I'm, I'm going with Alabama three units I think Clemson could win this game, but I, I like the best quarterback on the field in a revenge setting and I, I like uh I like Nick Saban to have his guys motivated.
1: I think uh I think that there is a like of all the possibility – you know, you talk about this game being played a hundred times, there are probably like twenty of those simulations where Kelly Bryant gets totally exposed and that's it. We're like a two interception game for Kelly Bryant <laughs> uh Clemson can't run the ball and Alabama wins it in boring fashion 20 to 10 and Nick Saban would probably want nothing more
0: yeah and that's and that's another thing too I, I I I've been worried about Clemson since that Syracuse game I've been worried about Clemson running the football and I know they get some yards they get some big plays but it's not a physical run game no this year and 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 that's Against Alabama, you know, I don't know that you can finesse your way in the run game, and uh, and and that that gives me a little more confidence in the Tide.
2: All right, yeah, it, it's it's hard to beat Alabama when your offense is a little too one dimensional.
0: Yep, no doubt,
1: no doubt. All right, that'll be uh, that's 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 a lot of uh, a lot of lock fighting uh, that that will play a big role in determining the winner of the postseason. Um, let's go. Back into the bowls. Uh, let's take it to Louisville and Mississippi State. Barton, uh, what are you thinking about here for uh, the Cards and the Bulldogs?
0: Yeah, I'm going Louisville uh, minus. Where we at? Six and a half is where I saw it.
1: Six and a half. That's what I'm, I'm yeah. punching in at.
0: I mean, look, you've got a you've got a situation at like well, who's coaching this game? I guess. Like, Mullen's not coaching it.
2: Right? I am. I am coaching this
0: game. <laughs> like, like uh, Joe Moorhead's not coaching it. Um, is this just a bunch of GAs that are coaching this game for Mississippi State? Um, that's, like, when that's happened in the past, this bowl season, it's not worked out well. Plus, you've got the Nick Fitzgerald out. Keaton Thompson is your, your quarterback who is big and athletic and talented, but he's he's he can't throw it very effectively and and i think that lamar jackson's gonna be able to get you know he's gonna be able to do some damage i think and i think mississippi state's going to have to keep up to a a degree and so while this is a heavy public play from what i can tell on louisville um i am uh I'm on the public side. I'm going four units. Louisville, um, I think Mississippi State is going to be one of the best teams in the SEC next year. But this year, given the coaching situation, given the quarterback situation, um, and and given that they're playing Lamar Jackson, I, I like Louisville.
1: How many units? Four. All right. What do you think, Tom?
2: I am actually on the other side. I am taking Mississippi State plus six and a half, and it's a five point lock. Wow! Wow! Uh, there, yeah, there's there's a few reasons for it. I mean, one is as as Barton mentioned, it's a very Louisville's a very public place, so there's definitely the fading the public factor here. But for me, it's just I think too much of the focus will be on you know. Mississippi State not having Nick Fitzgerald on offense and there being some question as to who's going to be calling the plays and all that kind of stuff. But I think that overlooks just how good Mississippi State's defense was this year. And while Louisville has Lamar Jackson, the Cardinals this year are more Lamar Jackson and nobody else than last year's team was. Like I, I feel like he had more help last year than he does this year, and especially defensively, where Louisville is not very good at all. I mean, if if you look at the advanced metrics, they're 88th overall in S&P Plus, but I mean, they're 108th in success rate, 115th in explosion plays, 95th against the run, 109th against the pass, 119th in standard down situations. It's a very porous Louisville defense, so even without Nick Fitzgerald, I think Mississippi State's going to be able to put points on the board, and I think that their defense is going to do enough to at least be able to limit lamar jackson and not let him go off and have an amazing game so i i won't be i i think Louisville's probably going to end up winning this game it's just i feel like it's going to be a 31 to 28 kind of win and so i'm going to take the six and a half points with the bulldogs and i I feel pretty good about it ah crap all right well i'm louisville minus six and a half it's
1: a five star lock this is a This is one that I am immediately starting to regret. For some reason in my head, I thought Lamar Jackson danced around LSU last year and actually LSU totally
2: shut him down. Oh no, he didn't do anything in that bowl. Yeah, that's that. That was the whole start of Lamar's performance against LSU. And then a couple days later, what Deshaun did against Alabama was the whole start of everybody saying, Oh, they should have given it to Deshaun acting like as though Lamar Jackson's entire season before that didn't count.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm gonna. I think that uh, I think I think Lamar can turn it on. I think that uh, this is you know like I, I was I did remember from te- him just dancing around Texas A&M the year before. Um, I, I I think that he can put on a show and Mississippi State's defense was very good, but um, I don't know. It's like if this was seven and a half, I definitely would not be five star lock, and I would probably look for an over under play on this one. But I think it under a touchdown, if if Lamar is locked in, and I, I do think that he he's going to be locked in and he's going to be trying to show off a little bit. like I mean Lamar Jackson is the kind of player who I do think that uh, if he's trying to show off, that's probably a good thing. It's also a bad thing, I and mean, he'll probably turn the ball over. but uh, I, I think that they will end up winning the game, and if they're if I think that Lamar Jackson can lead Louisville to a win in this game, then at six and a half, I'll, I'll go ahead and punch it in. But it's a it's a public play. How how much of a public play?
2: Uh, right now seventy seven percent of the tickets are on Louisville. Shit. And you don't want to know the money. Is it is it like fifty percent? Ninety four. Oh. Oh. Now that being said, there's it's still very early. There haven't been compared to how many bets will be placed on this game by the time it kicks off. There's. Nowhere near as many as it's going to be at the end, but there's a, there's 2,700 bets so far, and it's all on Louisville side.
0: So I'm I, that worries me. The public play definitely worries me. It scares me to death. But here's the thing that the reason I'm, I'm I'm less confident in this pick about anything other than the coaching situation. Like I just scanned this as we've been on this this game. And, and I, maybe I'm missing a game somewhere along the way, but I, I, I just sort of looked at the bowl games this year where there's significant coaching um, turnover, you know, where they've left a the team, basically. Uh, Oregon, head coach gone, new offensive coordinator. They lost by 10 points. SMU, head coach gone, whole coaching staff gone. They got absolutely boat raced. UCLA, interim coach, uh, You know, staff outgoing, they get handled. Missouri offensive coordinator out, um, offensive line coach out. They they get shut down. The only one, the only game in the bowl season so far that I've seen, and and again, if I'm wrong, you know, point one out. But Florida State blew out Southern Miss despite you know uh, an interim staff, but that was just a total talent mismatch. (laughs) So I, I think this. This the coaching stuff is like this is proving to be a pretty big deal this cycle at least and I you know again I don't even I you know I I tried to do a little bit of research on this and and granted like it was it was very uh, fleeting I didn't I didn't dig in for an hour or anything but like I, I didn't I couldn't immediately figure out who was even like and I know who the, I know who they're who their interim coach is, but I couldn't figure out who was calling the plays, who's what the staff even looks like. So that to me is the biggest red flag on this game.
1: It's like when, uh, and especially when uh, some of these new coaches want to go ahead and start hiring their staff, that means that GAs are going to be on the bowl game staff.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, they're graduates, so they're smart.
1: It's just, it's just a bunch a bunch of people who are looking at Lincoln Riley thinking that could be me. <laughs> All right. Uh We're going to go to the Liberty Bowl. Iowa State Memphis An over under of 66 I like Iowa State's pass defense. I am worried that Memphis's own defense will hurt this. But with an over under of 66, my lock for this game at 4 units is Iowa State and Memphis under the 66. I like a sleepy kickoff. Uh I like a pretty good Iowa State defense. I think Iowa State wins this game, but the with the spread right now hovering around 4, uh this is going to be one of a couple plays for me where I'm I am just so much less confident in the outcome uh, as opposed to the type of game that I'm expecting to unfold. And so I, th- I think I'll have to sweat this, no doubt. I-, I believe I'm going to have to sweat under 66 between these two teams. But, uh, but uh, I-, I think that that jumper is just a little bit too daggone high. Uh, it'll-, it'll require a couple of special teams touchdowns, which we might get. Memphis can run some kicks back. But in general, as a principal play, based on the way I think this game is going to unfold, uh, I will take my sweats and for four units, punch in it under 66 Barton
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see the game going that way and and because of that uh, I'm, I'm on Iowa State. I got Iowa State Plus the four um, and this to me is about like Iowa State uh, An offense like Memphis is not foreign to Iowa State. They see him every week in in um, in the Big 12 they have had success, you know, shutting down those sort of offenses. Uh, you know, they held Texas tech to 13 points. You know, they held Texas to 17, even in a loss. Um, they held TCU to seven. Like they, this is a team that, um, can defend those sort of offenses. And this is their first bowl since I think 2012. This is a huge game for the program and on top of all that this will be a a cold afternoon in memphis uh you know i just think this is this is iowa state kind of weather and i I like i like matt campbell to uh to get it done here um i've kind of been fading memphis like quietly all year which is a little bit like I know a lot of people. Stressful. I know a lot of people that Memphis staff and like I I like a, a lot of their personnel. I think they've recruited well. So it's a little ant. Like it's a little bit uh, contrarian for me to be like fading them. But I, I just maybe it's because I know too much about them. I, I think Iowa State wins this game.
1: What's your uh, units?
0: Five units. Woo!
2: Tom, I am. I don't really have great feelings about anything that's going to happen in this game. I just know that I'm looking forward to it. So I'm kind of just taking a Joe public view of this one where I just want it to be as fun as possible. Over? And that's why I'm taking the over 66 wow. with one point. It's not, it's not something I feel great about. It's just, as I said, I don't have a great feeling on this game, so I'm just going to root to be entertained. And that's, what, that's all this pick is based in. It's a very public play.
1: All right, uh, take the lead on uh, Penn State-Washington, Tom.
2: I am taking Washington, plus two, five points. I don't think Penn State should be favored in this game. I think that Penn State's a very good team, but it's also a team that kind of faded down the stretch, and I think that even though it won its last three games, It did it against really bad teams, and I think that kind of covers up the fact that the Nittany Lions really weren't playing nearly as well in November as they were earlier in the year. And then if you just look at advanced metrics, like Washington's a better team than Penn State and has been all season. It just, I don't know why it's not getting the same kind of respect it got last year. You know, it was a playoff team last year. Obviously, it won the Pac-12. It didn't do that this year, so I, I understand why, but I just think that it's being overlooked far too easily in this game because I think that defensively it's equal to Penn State it might even be slightly better in certain areas offensively I think it's equal to Penn State it might be better in certain areas so I think that Washington's being disrespected here I think that making them the underdog is the incorrect play and I like the Huskies and the points five points
1: I uh, do you think that some of that, and I don't. Odds makers are smarter than just simple perception. But what about the difference in uh, like bowl performances that we saw? And granted, Washington played Alabama and Penn State played USC. But you know, one of these teams scored a whole bunch of points, and the other one didn't score any. Well,
2: I think I. I mean, I think that the line probably is just a reflection of the public who hears more about Penn State than they do about Washington. So yeah. they think Penn State is better. But ever since penn state blew that second half lead against ohio state they've kind of been on a downward trend and not not like a bad team but they haven't been nearly as good as they were beginning the season and they could be saquon barkley's season has gotten you know he's he's cooled down considerably and there's a part of me that wonders barkley's playing in this game barkley said in the middle of november you know before the season was over he says i'm he was when he was being asked are you going to play in the bowl game he said yes i'm playing in our bowl game But there's still a part of me that wonders if James Franklin, knowing that Barkley is going to be leaving for the NFL, how big of a workload is he going to give Barkley in this bowl game? Because I think that Franklin's the kind of—he's a player's coach. He knows he cares about his players. He knows what he knows what Barkley's future is. He knows what's more important to Saquon Barkley right now than this bowl game against Washington. So while I expect him to play, I don't think we're going to see a game where Barkley's getting twenty carries. He'll still be in on kick returns because that's you know he's he's excellent at it. He's going to want to showcase him. I just don't think Barkley's going to get nearly as many touches as he would in a in a regular season game or if if Penn State had been in a playoff game. So I, I. have to factor that in as well
1: i feel like barkley playing is more of a uh injury risk to the opponent the the man's just got pounds and pounds of steel on the outside of his skeleton i don't know man i think that's
0: like that that was chip that was what i thought too like when barkley was to said he was playing. I was like, "Well, of course he is. He's a cyborg. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like there. He's not going to get hurt. I can't envision a scenario where the guy gets hurt. Like no. he's just he's built to just take any sort of punishment you want to hand him."
1: Uh, what's your, Barton? What's your read in this game?
0: Uh, I'm I'm on Penn State, you know, but I'm just I'm just sort of Joe Public, you know, in general these days. I, you <laughs> know, cause I, you sound so down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I. I, I think this game is basically a pick'em. Um, I think these two teams are, you know, they're, they're this is a situation where both teams lost their offensive coordinators. Um, I do think that there's a little bit like Washington doesn't know who's going to call the plays yet, or at least they haven't announced it. Ricky Ronnie at, at Penn State is is sort of, you know, he's been groomed in this the last couple of years. I think Saquon Barkley is the is the best player on the field. Um, I've I am sort of one of the all-time Jake Browning haters I don't I just I think he could serve one up or two um and I I just think Penn State is a little bit better team from a little bit from a better conference that has been a little bit more more battle tested and I I like Penn State here I'm, I'm gonna go with Penn State minus the two
1: how many units
0: three units all right.
1: Um, I'm a little bit nervous because, as you mentioned, Jonathan Smith, uh, Washington co-offensive coordinator, is off to Oregon State. Uh, Joe Moorhead taking the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Uh, but the, the thing that pushed me uh, into an overplay in this game, and uh, I'm punching it in at four units, uh, over 55 for Penn State-Washington, is that we've got two really, really good special teams units with Dante Pettis. And I think Dante Pettis is playing, right? He left the Apple Cup with an injury, but I think he's all good. Um, Dante Pettis on one side, Saquon Barkley on the other. These are all American caliber uh, return specialists. Uh, both players have multiple returns for touchdowns and, and will, if they don't act, even score, uh, you know, just will at least get... Get very very close to scoring and set up their quarterbacks. Um, I think that Moxie McSorley is going to get out there, start scrambling around a little bit, and I just I feel like this is a game that ends up getting decided uh, in the thirties. And so yeah, I, I kind of like strapping in and uh, and and just hoping to see some fireworks every single time that ball gets booted in the air. So I'm going Penn State Washington over fifty five. Fifty five seems low Um, Um, from one one side to the other. A game that I do not expect to be high scoring. Let's talk about some Miami, Wisconsin. Ooh. So how many times does the turnover chain come out going up against Alex Hornibrook, Tom?
2: At least twice.
1: Yeah, I was thinking two and a half would be the over under for interceptions that I'm thinking in this game. Uh, I I still cannot pick Miami after seeing uh, the way that Miami was playing in the way that Miami's offense looked in the uh, in, in the ACC championship game. It was uh, it was it was ineffective. It, it could not get anything done. Uh, but I still think that Miami defense. Uh, which, you know, that 38 that they gave up a little bit, uh, you know, kind of hides the fact that five possessions in a row, Clemson started their possession in Miami territory. So I like Wisconsin's defense. I like Miami's defense. I like the fact that uh, both Malik Rogier and Alex Hornibrook are probably going to throw some interceptions and turn the ball over. Uh, I like the undersweats as a matter of principle. So for three units... Locking in Orange Bowl, Miami, Wisconsin, under forty-five. Give me like a twenty to seventeen final score. Uh, one again, one that I will be sweating, but uh, but but I think that we'll be able to cash that ticket. Barton,
0: give me the Canes, give me the U. They're in their backyard. This is a big game. It's at night. All those elements that are going to make this a you know, an, an electric atmosphere that they respond well to are there. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin is. I mean, I, I'm a. I love Wisconsin. I think they're a really good team. But look, Miami's got some athletes on defense, and I don't hate that underplay at all. And and I think, but I I think that's to the to your point, uh, and I hate to harp on the turnover chain, but. Look, I think that thing's going to be popping out a little bit, and I think that's going to be the difference. I think Miami's going to be able to um, come up with some big plays on defense, and uh, and I think that uh, I think that's enough. And so I think their athletes will will um, will get it done. So I'm going with Miami plus. I think it's at four and a half right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one thing I'm interested in seeing, like Wisconsin recruits South Florida. They they were they recruit sort of the 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 miami rejects some of the guys that are you know a little too small uh for for the canes and and those guys go up there and do pretty well at wisconsin so uh i'm interested to in see if those guys show up and have a big game i think it'll be i think it'll be a fun game uh, but i like i like the team getting points
1: um that's a uh, that's that that's a spot where I feel like can't you see Wisconsin having some like eight play sixty yard drives that end in like a fumble or an interception?
0: Yeah, but I could see them having eight play sixty yard drives in and in touchdowns too, and so I think that's the difference is like what's can can they finish those and can Miami can Miami make them pay for some of those long drives and 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 turn them over a couple times? So, uh, I'm a this is a. This is a. I'll go four units on this one. Um, I don't love it, but I got. You know, I can't play small ball this time of year. All
1: right, Tom.
2: I am on Miami plus four and a half, and it's a five point lock for me. I just. I look at Wisconsin, and even though it played better than I expected to against Ohio State in the Big Ten title game, I still look at that game and I see that the biggest problem Wisconsin had has has been the case a lot of times in its history since it's become a good program was it It had trouble dealing with Ohio State's speed. Ohio State was a much faster team than Wisconsin is. Miami is a much faster team than Wisconsin is, and that's been kind of Wisconsin's Achilles heel. If you want to get down and fight it, Wisconsin can beat you. If you just want to run a race against it, Wisconsin has a tough time beating you. And while there's a part of me that worries because Miami's defense is good and it forces a ton of turnovers, but it is... Its weakest spot is its run defense, where it's not elite. It's just kind of above average. So I do worry that maybe Wisconsin and Jonathan Taylor just kind of grind things out and keep the offense, you know, keep Alex Hornibrook from having to do too much. But at some point, Alex Hornibrook's going to have to make a play to win this game. And Alex Hornibrook is going to turn the ball over. It's just Miami has a fantastic turnover margin. Obviously I think they're plus 15 on the year. Wisconsin has a positive turnover margin at plus three, but they've turned the ball over 23 times. So I'm looking at a Wisconsin team prone to turning the ball over going against a team that does a better job of creating turnovers than any other team in the country. It's a team that's faster than Wisconsin. And I just think that Miami getting points in this situation in what's you know, essentially like a home game in a way, I, just, I can't not go with Miami in the points here. I just can't. Five points, Canes plus four and a half.
1: South Carolina and Michigan in the Outback Bowl, our good friend Ryan Nanny on the field. He's the real winner here. Um, Tom, where, uh, where are you
2: at with uh, South Carolina and Michigan? Uh, I'm hoping to not watch it more than anything. It doesn't, doesn't seem like the most exciting game, does it? But it's perfect. Um,
1: it, listen, the Outback Bowl always is that perfect slog of a game on New Year's Day. You're, you're kind of like crawling out of your New Year's Eve haze, and you need Jadavion Clowney to come knock your helmet off to get you ready for what's going to be coming later.
2: See, that's that's I just if as long as they're just showing replays of that hit on Vincent Smith the entire game, I think it's worth watching. Over under
1: of three and a half replays, and maybe it'll all be in one super cut. They might play it four times in a row.
2: And the Texans are out of the playoff hunt, correct? So maybe Jadavian Clowney's at the game. Oh, for sure. Sideline interview. Hey, Jadavian, this is where you killed that guy. Talk (laughs) about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was fun. He's dead. I his family <laughs> the best. But I just I'm going with Michigan minus seven and a half, five-star lock. I don't I I know you guys were big on South Carolina in the preseason. You were big on South Carolina during the season. I don't see it. I don't think South Carolina's very good. I don't think Michigan's great, but I don't think South Carolina's good enough to really hang within against Michigan in this game. I think Michigan's a better team. I think Jim Harbaugh is going to want to make a statement here to maybe put a positive spin on what's been a lackluster season for the most part, heading into the off season. I like the Wolverines minus seven and a half, five points. I'm not going to watch it. I'll just check the box score afterwards.
0: I was big on South Carolina before the season. I was big on South Carolina during the season. I was big on them to be this team, like not a great team, but just like a team that was competitive in the East had a shot at, 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 you know, but I think I picked them second or third in the East when they finish, maybe third or – I don't know. Uh, either way, like I don't – I this game is not a spot where I'm big on South Carolina. I still think Michigan is a more talented team. I think this is, this is Michigan's – we're young. This is our statement for next year. I'm surprised there's not – uh, more of the public on Michigan here, but I'll take it. So give me Michigan. Give me five units, too. I'm going to go minus the seven and a half for the Wolverines.
2: Yeah, and one thing one thing to mention too is that while most of the public is on South Carolina both as far as bets and money goes, the line's getting bigger towards Michigan. Crap.
1: <laughs> scratch, 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 scratch. <laughs> Sorry, I just pulled some units off the table before I had to place my bet. <laughs> South Carolina, better quarterback, plus seven and a half, and what was a bigger play will be two units on the record.
2: Definitely has the better quarterback. There's no arguing that.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I I just I'm I'm going with uh, going with South Carolina, the better quarterback. I think that this is. Uh, I th- I think that Michigan will gladly play this game super low scoring. And it's like uh, a spot where if you're going to give me seven and the hook, I like like Bentley's chances to even take like a non-competitive 14 point game and come kicking in the back door with a late score to lose by seven. Definitely has that feel to it. We'll see. uh,
0: I I would. I would also like to state for the record that I don't think that South Carolina has some clear advantage at quarterback. I think somewhere along the way, Jake Bentley got propped up as this like uh, franchise, no doubt, dude. And like, I, if you just look at the body of work this year, he's had his moments, but he's had plenty of bad moments too, and. I'm not sure they'd look total that all that different if Brandon Peters had started day one and and built up to this game. I, I think that Brandon Peters, in fact, wouldn't shock me if Brandon Peters looked better. I I just I think that Jake Bentley has a little bit of uh like myth to his game and, and I wanna I want to see him prove it.
1: We like folklores in the South. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh did you hear that Jake Bentley is seven seven, three hundred pounds, and runs a four two forty? He's a god. Uh, I did hear that. Yeah. Let's uh let's go to the Peach Bowl. Uh shout out to our good friend Jerry Hinnan; He'll be in attendance uh with the fam. Auburn, Central Florida, and uh and Barton, I have you heard uh like I have heard that the Scott Frost and the staff is gonna stick around to coach the bowl game might not be going as swimmingly as like, like i kind of felt like i definitely did on this podcast like kind of shower scott frost with some praise like man he wants to stick around like this is this is so great and i've heard it's maybe a little bit more awkward than they imagined uh no. what about have you heard, I haven't the same?
0: heard that i haven't heard that but i haven't looked into it and i haven't i've been uh i've, I've been doing a million things recently so i i'm i'm So, no, I haven't heard that, but that's interesting.
1: Uh, All right, so I'm going to let you take the lead uh, on this game. Auburn, Central Florida, 9.5, an over-under that is hovering around 67.
0: Well, now I'm interested in what you're hearing on Scott Frost, uh, his his struggles in the locker room right now. No,
1: it's not struggles in the locker room. I would just say – I
0: need some color here. I need some background before I I make my pick.
1: I've I've heard that the – The around the building, the the old staff, which is almost entirely going to be off to Nebraska, uh, double dipping here, along with Josh Heupel, who is trying to get things in place. Uh, It's just it's a it's a crowded kitchen.
0: I can imagine it's incredibly awkward. Not only that, but Scott Frost is out here, like picking off recruits for Nebraska. Yeah, for Nebraska. And yeah, like I don't. I, I don't know how it works. What are they in? Like a they have like a um, a trailer? You know, portable, portable, <laughs> a portable trailer <laughs> out back where they're doing their game planning, and or does or does Scott Frost get to stay in the in the big chair? I, it's yeah. Um, so yes, that sounds. It it seems probably like it would be a little bit awkward, but as anyone that's listened to our um, college coaches press conference podcast knows, I am. As as big of a Scott Frost fanboy as there is, and UCF, I mean, uh, you know, I didn't do the I didn't do the historical uh, rundown here, but these New Year's six games with the with the Power Five team getting in, and there's some motivation at play and some overlooking at play on the other side, and and I, I just think this team is going to be, I mean, this is this is huge for them. And Scott Frost has, 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 stayed on board and, and I think they love that staff and they want to send them out in style. And that staff wants to send these players out in style for what they, for, for giving them the opportunity they have now. Uh, it, it is, I like UCF here. I would like them a lot more if they weren't talking trash about how they have more team speed than Auburn. Um, that wasn't ideal when, when they start throwing that in the, high, in the headlines. But this is just, this is that spot, I like. Uh, I like UCF plus nine and a half, and I got five units on it. And um, this is, uh, I just, this is a, this is a trust in, uh, in this staff and this team.
2: All right, uh, Tom, what you got? I have the sneaking suspicion that UCF is going to get the doors blown off it.
0: <laughs>
2: now, not enough to make that my bet. It's just when I look at the matchup UCF's offense has been terrific all year there's no arguing that but it I don't know what chips hearing but I feel like it has to be an awkward situation where Scott Frost is finishing up Nebraska's you know recruiting class before signing day last week getting all that in order and then also game planning for UCF's bowl game against Auburn, like going between Orlando and Lincoln and coaching two teams at once seems really hard to do. So I feel like that's got to have an impact on UCF. And then there's just the fact that there isn't a defense in the AAC that even closely resembles. Oh, you could have stopped of-
1: after AAC. You just say there isn't a defense in the
2: AAC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got to keep going. <laughs> There is nothing like this Auburn defense in the AAC. You can with, with UCF's offense, you can be faster than everybody in the AAC and put up a ton of points. You're not really faster than Auburn's defense. I don't you do what what's his name said? You do not have more team speed than Auburn. Trust me. You're probably at best on par. So I don't see UCF's offensive line having a very good day. I don't see UCF's offense having a very good day. It's just I don't want to take Auburn minus the points because I've seen Gus Malzahn and get in his own way too often on offense to trust Auburn to cover what's nearly a 10-point spread in some places. So I'm taking the under 67 based just on the fact that I don't think the Knights offense is going to have nearly the kind of success it's used to having against other teams against Auburn, which means that that total of 67 is way too high. So under 67, five points. Mm. Dang, that's the play,
1: but I'm going to stick with my gut. Auburn minus nine and a half, two units.
0: We're all over the board here. I love it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, kinda, yeah. kinda think that uh kind of think you might be right tom kinda <laughs> think this might go this this might not be as a uh, storybook as it looked on December fourth <laughs> we'll see uh all right, uh finally bringing us home l s u and Notre dame uh tom what's uh what's your call here
2: uh another under under fifty one and a half five points i just don't see a lot of points being scored in this game you know Matt Canada is going to be trying to call plays and Ed Orgeron is going to be tackling him on the sidelines telling him no he can't run that play you're fired and then on the Notre Dame side that offense as great as it was during the first half of the season has kind of dwindled down the stretch they haven't really been able to get Josh Adams going like he had been earlier in the season and I don't think they're going to be able to get have great success against this LSU defensive line in, in that you know front seven so I look for this to be a lower-scoring, kind of rock fightish affair. I'm very much in love with the under five points. Barton?
0: Uh, you know, I, I went back and forth on this. I, I, at first, I was like a locked LSU because they just – Notre Dame doesn't really play that well in, in these sort of games – um, I think and LSU's sort of gotten better as the years progressed, but this Matt Canada stuff is just bizarre and weird. And he's too good of a coach. I mean, he must not. He, he must. He must be a really unlikable guy. And Ed Ron, I'm starting to really lose faith in him as a coach, given that he can't see that Matt Canada is a good is a good coordinator. Given that he's not recruiting that well. Given that he's losing some coaches. Um, and so. I just think LSU is 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 sort of fading a little bit. Um, I think that they, while they're good on defense, they're not as big as they've been in the past. So I've gone back and forth on this, but I'm going to go with my most recent lean here, and I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I'm going to go four units, big offensive line, slug it out. They're getting points. Um Give me the Irish.
1: What are we punching it in at?
0: Give me four units.
1: Uh, plus three.
0: Plus three.
1: Yeah, I didn't know the point spread because uh, as soon as I saw this game, I was on the under. Three units. <laughs> like I was like, oh, oh yeah, let's go. Yeah. Uh, under fifty-one and a half. I mean the the only way that it ends up uh the only way that it ends up getting high scoring is if it ends. It's like a really close game at the very end, and you know both teams just start chucking it around, and you get a couple explosive plays. But I, I don't know. I like I like this to be a rock fight, like you said, Tom. A lot of punting. All right, we'll. Uh, I'll I'll update. Um, I w- I'll send an update once we get through Friday's games, uh, so that we know the score. Uh, all, all along the way. Again, right now, Tom, our leader. Uh, I'm a few picks behind Barton. Real, Barton's got a big ticket here. And Barton, you also have. Let's see. We still got uh, from Bolox Volume Three. We still got some some big plays. I mean, you still got. We got five on Wake Forest. Five on Arizona State. That's a lock fight.
0: I, I love those two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my uh, Northwestern play. I already know that. Yeah, you are.
1: That's the that's, that's lock. Um, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We appreciate you, the loyal listeners of the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Uh, this has been a very fun run with the locks. Again, we will be back. Uh, I'll probably get these two together so that we can have some, uh, some preview conversation, breaking down all the different angles to the national championship game. Uh, we'll find some prop bets that I'm sure will become available and, uh, and figure out new ways to dissect it. Uh, but the Bull Locks Volume 4 is a wrap. Great job, gentlemen. I appreciate it.
2: Good luck, boys.